Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to Etsy.com slash shop slash KSGeekman and use the code RebelBaseCard, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Bobby Sussman. And I'm Nadia Kovacs. We're the Galaxy Edge Explorers. And you are currently listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Good show for you tonight, as my guest is Ashley Villers. She is a top sketch card artist and was recently featured in Tatooine Times as Women of the Galaxy Week, and it was a real treat to get a chance to talk with her. We'll have my conversation with her in just a few minutes as I get a couple of pieces of housekeeping out of the way. Um, I almost feel in some cases now we're all doing bunker radio if you are a podcaster, but I hope everyone is doing okay. I know this you know, COVID-19 pandemic has pretty much affected everyone, and I hope wherever you are, you guys are doing okay, hanging in as best you can. I think we'll all get through this. Yeah, sure, it's going to be different on the other side, but uh, if we just hang in there and take care of each other, I, I think we'll be as okay as we can. One thing of note, and I normally don't say episode numbers uh, in my intro, but this is episode 50, and you know, for me, it's, it's a milestone, uh, just like the first year was a milestone, and sometimes when you look at other podcasts that are in the three and, you know, 300 episodes and above, you kind of go, well, kid, you've, you've got a little ways to go, but um, I just wanted to say you know, a quick thanks to everybody that's been on the program, everybody that's listened to the program, downloaded it, talked about it, retweeted it. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring these episodes to you. I've learned a lot, and I think if even if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd, I'd still have the questions anyway. But now, since I have a podcast, I get a chance to ask them and, and hopefully bring you a little entertainment along the way. Um, I've learned a lot about you know sketch card artists. We have talked to folks making documentaries. Uh, we have talked to folks who are doing cosplay, who are doing you know Instagram channels and, and all kinds of great stuff. And I, I really hope that I can continue to bring you uh, this good stuff in whatever form it is. You know, one thing that I was kind of thinking as this pandemic kind of came out, and we were all sort of sheltered at home is, you know, how often do I do the content? I think we have settled down to a pretty good clip of about once a week. I know some people do more than one, and I think that's kind of tough, especially if you kind of like listening to a lot of different podcasts like I do. Um, sometimes you feel like you're kind of falling behind. So I think if I try to keep it at one a week, you know, you know, the perfect thing would be maybe, you know, three times a month, I think. Uh, I think that would be nice to where, you know, sometimes you can get a little chance to get some other podcasts in. But, uh, you know, for right now, it's, it's working. I'm getting I'm getting into a nice groove. Um, you know, a lot of times people are available uh, to be able to get a chance to talk. And, you know, the list is long. Uh, you know, when you see other what other folks are doing, whether or not you're maybe shifting to a Patreon or you're getting sponsorships or something to where, you know, if you wanted to try to produce more content, how would you do it? 
and could you feasibly keep that up? And I think, I think for a lot of folks who are starting out with podcasts, who are doing them, you know, consistency is the key. And you know, it'd be great if if this was the only thing you would do, and you could just there and just produce content all day, every day. Um, but you know, when you're trying to reach out to different guests and and book them and try to work within their schedules, you know, even once a week sometimes you feel is is not enough, and so. You know, I might be looking at other ways to, to bring you additional content, whether it's me going over certain sets or maybe going into deep dives to where I feel I can still get guests on and still provide you content, talk about cards, talk about the community, cosplay and whatnot. Uh, but those are some of the things I think as the podcast gets a little older that I think it's it's fair to kind of take a look at and see, you know, am I doing things uh, the right way? Am I being efficient? Am I bringing you good content? Um, am I just mailing it in, you know? So it's one of those things where when you kind of hit these marks, sometimes it's kind of good to kind of look back, kind of take stock of what you're doing and, and how you can continue to do. Uh, but one thing I am thankful for from episode one, uh, to now and beyond is I'm, I'm very thankful for those folks who, uh, who listen, who provide me feedback, who give me encouragement. Um, it, it's really been fun and, and the community that I have kind of come into, uh, a bunch of new friends and uh, continue to hopefully make new ones. Uh, just amazing. And I, I really do appreciate that. So those are the kind of things when you're kind of hitting marks like this that I just wanted to stop for a moment and just say thank you. I, I appreciate you all. It's, it's, been a, it's been a gas so far. And uh, like I said, hopefully continue to bring you good content from here on out. Um, one interesting thing that did come out this week was the Topps Journey of the Child set, and uh, I was thinking I'm going to give that maybe its own episode, but just kind of briefly, it was kind of nice. Uh, this was a set that is going to be available in both retail and hobby stores and, and online. Um, it's it's a complete set, so basically you're going to get 25 base cards, you are going to get two paralleled versions of those cards, and you're going to get five sticker cards, it's sort of like a mini insert set. Um, I like it because it is, you know, complete for $9.99. You get it. Um, it's got a great design. Like I said, I'll go into a little more detail on that. I think it's a nice set for hardcore collectors as well as casual collectors. Uh, it came out this week. Um, I suggest you pick it up, kind of take a look. Um, it won't break the bank, and it won't take up a lot of room. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. So getting back to my interview with Ashley Villers, um, I, like I said, I didn't know that much outside of the Tatooine Times' piece, but I did love the time-lapse video she did that kind of went over one of her uh, sketch cards. And I always enjoy the time-lapse ones because it's kind of a nice way to kind of see the process and you kind of go through. Now, in some cases with the sketch artists, you know, when they're doing cards, you'll find, I, I find a pattern is they'll tend to do pieces at a time, almost like an assembly line where they'll go through and do one one way to do it or they'll do one color and they'll come back and, and do another as opposed to doing one whole card then moving on to the next. But it does kind of give you an idea of the process. So, and, and also the fact that uh, Ashley originally was from Ohio, not too far from where I grew up. And, uh, you know, like I said, trying not to play favorites, but I'm always uh, impressed when I see folks uh, back home who are doing good um, she now lives in Texas with her husband and a couple of cats uh, that made their presence very well known as the uh, Skype interview went along, but uh, it was all good, and I hope you get a lot out of tonight's conversation. Describe the differences living in Texas versus living in Ohio. 
the main difference is the weather is a hundred percent nicer all of the time. I don't miss Ohio for the weather whatsoever. The, the year that we we moved in 2015, and um, the I was I was teaching full time. I taught middle school art, and that school year, the 20 uh, it would have been 2014 2015 school year. We missed something like 23 days. It was ridiculous because we had like negative 20 wind chill. The sun was never out. It was always gray and cloudy because we had a little bit of that. But being in Canton, we had like the tail end of uh, like uh, lake effect. So um, it just was I didn't realize until I moved to Texas how much like the the weather impacted my general mood and <laughs> Uh, productivity. Like I moved to Texas and where it's sunny most of the time. And I got so much stuff done that I was like, man, I can, I can do it all now. I can get it all done. So I really, it, I didn't realize it when I lived there, how bad it was until I got out of it, the weather that is, and like, uh, just having like sunshine and I would 100% take the 110 days for like <laughs> August and September over having like four or five months of just gray and overcast and negative wind chills and all of that. Like I, I can stay inside and work cause I spend most of my, as an artist, I spend most of my time right here. <laughs> and so with my windows and like the sunshine outside and sitting in my AC, I'm content. Like I don't even go out and see that 114 degree weather, but when you're inside and it's gray and it's gloomy and there's like a mud covering all of the snow like it's not even pretty snow in the winter anymore <laughs> like it's just covered in mud and I just that really was the biggest change and the the biggest like positive thing from moving but really the the personalities and everything and the politics and all of it I guess North Texas I'm because I'm in Dallas like well I'm in Denton but it's in the Dallas Fort Worth area the it doesn't change too much like the people are very similar there's a certain like uh I don't I always I always liked Ohio north at least northeast Ohio that's where I grew up and that's the people like I went I grew up in Canton you know studied in Kent at Kent State um there's just like a hard work ethic like you get you get what you work for I guess is kind of the the mentality and I see that a lot up here I don't I I guess I thought I would move into like cowboy town and everybody would be wearing cowboy hats and boots and it would just be real slow and Southern, but it's not really like that where we're at. It's, it's very similar. It didn't take much to adjust. What about the, um, also being from Ohio and I grew up, you know, not too far South from you and, you know, for, for us, you know, we don't really think we have an accent. I'm sure a lot of people go, where are you from? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there and I have a tear like I have some weird ways of pronouncing things from being I don't like I don't know if it was you know my grandma or my my parents one of the things um I I know that I say incorrectly is this is going to this is embarrassing. I don't pronounce 
milk right most of the time. I say milk, like with an E, <laughs> M-E-L-K. And I actually learned that I did this from, because I used I was live streaming on Twitch. I um, would stream all my art, and I said something about cereal and milk. And somebody was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I said cereal and milk and they're like no it's not milk and I was like my world shattered and I was like oh my god I've been saying it wrong this entire time so and I do notice now I am starting to pick up like I do say y'all all the time I can't not <laughs> say it and um I yeah after about we've been here what five years now I I'm starting to pick up certain like slangy Texas things that I didn't think I would ever sound like. So I'm, we haven't gone home very much recently back to Ohio. Most of the people have been coming down and visiting us. So, um, but I'm sure that as time progresses, people are going to be like, Oh, she sounds like she's from Texas and not from up here. And I'm trying to, uh, change the way I say milk now. <laughs> That's... I had to think about it, but I say I say it correctly more often than not now. Yeah, I think and and you know I, I was for the longest time for me it was Appalachia. I had never heard anything different. And you get outside and everything, it's Appalachia. And I was like, I had never heard it. And you're like, no, I'm correct. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm 99% sure everybody else is right, and I was wrong. Uh, but it is something <laughs> where when you're around it, you just don't know any you know you don't know any different because everybody says it. Uh, my dad was very fond of saying wash instead of wash. Warsh. Yeah. Um, but at any rate. But yeah, that's um, growing up, though, when did you start to draw? Um, pretty much as soon as I could pick up a crayon <laughs> or a pencil, I was drawing my grandfather. He was um, retired by <laughs> the time that uh, he I was born. He had worked for Sears all his life and um when he retired and my grandma passed away when I was about a year old, he really kind of dove deep into watercolor and joined like watercolor leagues up in the like Lake Erie, Cleveland, Painesville area and um, did these beautiful landscapes. And whenever he would come down to visit us, he'd always bring paint and paper and whatever art material materials with him and we would just sit at the kitchen table and paint together so I had um a family that was really supportive even on my dad's side of the family they were all um you know handyman crafters there's sewing knitting and just everybody worked with their hands and cr were creative people so I grew up in a family that was very supportive of that um I mean, I even remember <laughs> like being really into coloring contests when I was young, like the uh, when the Lion King came out, uh, the local grocery store did a coloring page for the Lion King promotional thing. And I won this giant, like larger than life Simba stuffed animal. So I think from a really young age, I was always into art and insanely competitive about my art and my, and my parents fostered that for me in a good way, in a healthy way. So, um, it's, it's just been within me forever, I guess. Yes. And also the introduction of swag, the, <laughs> the drive for swag. Um, yes. what do you remember as, you know, I, I know that you've done 
plenty of other sets. You know, Star Wars is not necessarily the exclusive thing that you have worked on. Um, but what, when is your first introduction to Star Wars or when can you remember it kind of entering into your consciousness? Um, when I had to be in elementary school, I don't really remember when, but, um, my uncle had, we didn't have a, like the recording setup. Like I remember my uncle being very techie and having like the VHS player that he could record VHSs off the VH, like rip them basic, like the mm -hmm. pirate thing before it was super easy. <laughs> um, he had a setup and I remember watching, um, like, 12 VHS tapes of the original like trilogy <laughs> like you'd have to plug you know put one in the tape player put the other one in there so I remember watching those um quite a few times as a young child because then when by the time I was in fifth grade middle school ish I can't remember exactly was when um like the the prequels came out and I remember getting really into collecting the toys but I was young enough that I like just was like ripping them open and playing with them. Um, so it's always been there. Like it's um, I, you know, went and saw them opening night. And at the time, I really loved them. I didn't know anybody, you know, like I was just excited to be seeing Star Wars in the theater on opening night. Um, but I've always been into Star Wars as the the franchise and remember going to um Disney World with my family and even when it was just the few little like the um you could get on the Star Tours the Star Tours yeah and the the like the just the little area of the woods with the Ewoks and you know like the uh ATAT -AT in it and whatnot you could get on the speeder like that was I remember those moments like they were yesterday I guess nice and then as you kind of move along, did you start to focus more in art in high school or, you know, when did, when did it kind of click that I really, I really want to kind of take this to a, to another level? I, yeah, by high school, I was, um, I was doing a lot of photorealistic drawing by that point and getting a lot of just, you know, in high school, you're like the, I was not a popular kid, but everybody knew who I was because I could draw realistically. <laughs> and that was impressive to, you know, that age range, which I mean, I guess it still is. But um, so in high school, I was in like the art club. I did scenic. I did the tech crew for art, uh, the plays like I painted all the backgrounds for them. Um, I knew in high school that I was going to go to college, but I was kind of um I wasn't sure what I was going to do. It wasn't until my senior year. I was in, I was in like AP art. I was doing all of the art and design for the newspaper, our, our school newspaper. And I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to go and study. Um, I remember my best friend and she still is my best friend to this day was like, Ashley, you need to fill out applications. It was like <laughs> spring semester. I hadn't I hadn't filled out any applications. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had gone to a few portfolio reviews my senior year at the at the local art museum. They'd have bring in like the Chicago school, like the art and design, the Columbus, you know, like all of the big art and design schools would come in and then people would look at the portfolios and all of everybody was like, oh, yeah, you're great. 
like, yeah, you just need to figure out what you want to do basically. (laughs) And so my, my friend filled out my, my applications to like Akron, Kent, (laughs) it was all local, just like state schools and universities. And I, and I ended up going to Kent state my first year. Um, I was just a fine arts and drawing. It wasn't until, um, the end of that year, I kind of, I knew I wanted to stay in the arts, but I didn't really know financially speaking, like how I was going to find a job. Like there wasn't, at least in the first year there at school and even in high school, no one really talked about making it a job or like how to, um, it was just a fun thing to do basically. (laughs) And so after my first year, I met with a like, uh, advertising company, my dad, had a connection and did like a little mock interview. I wasn't even trying to get like an internship or anything. It was mostly just like, Hey, how do I, what am I doing with my, how do I get a job basically? And he looked through my work and, um, he was like, you're really talented, but you can't do anything that we do here. Traditionally, you have to learn computer and like, you know, all of the Adobe's and, all of that. And at that point I was like, well, I don't, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to change my degree at this point. Um, so I went in, I changed my degree to, um, art education and I thought, well, at least I could, I can always teach it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know by, but by, by high school I was, I knew that art was my thing and that was my calling. I just didn't really know how or what, and really didn't even until like, even to this day, I'm like, wow, I've really ended up in a different place than what I had expected or thought. I mean, I always knew that I was going to go to college. I knew that I was going to get a job. Like that path was like, yeah, that's going to happen. But I didn't know how or when and I always like to tell like that was one of the things when I was teaching full time and I was at the like middle school and gosh middle schoolers were even starting to panic about college at <laughs> like eighth grade and I was like man I didn't e- like I didn't even fill out applications until my senior year and it wasn't even me it was my friend that had to like get my you know get that fire lit like you got to do this you're gonna graduate and you're not gonna have anywhere to go and I was like ah so I, I'm the like uh, I guess I'm a good example of not knowing or, you know, kind of, I guess, I don't want to say I was procrastinating, but I just was there, there felt like there was so much pressure and I just didn't know. And I didn't, I don't thrive in those kinds of situations. That's like the, I shut down in that kind of situation. And I, I'm grateful that I had f- family and friends that were looking out for me. <laughs> so where did you end up after college? Where did you end up uh, starting off career wise? So I, um, I did a summer semester in, um, in Florence, Italy with Kent State and have an an art history minor. So that kind of set me a little bit behind. I graduated in December, so I was in school for four and a half years. So after I graduated from Kent, I moved back home and I started substitute teaching in like the Stark County schools. That's where in that's Canton based. And, um, I ended up subbing at a, um, a middle school one day and it was probably the worst school I had ever been in. It was very, um, the kids were terrible. 
the the it was in the basement. I was the only there was the only classroom that was down there. So the kids would come down and like fight in the hallway oh, because geez. it was not monitored. <laughs> and it was a terrible, terrible experience. But it was also one of the best. I, I'm like looking back, I'm grateful that I had it. But anyways, the t- the teacher that I was subbing for was a half day and she came in at lunchtime and I had sketchbooks out and uh, the kids had actually been drawing in the class and she went wait you're an artist you're an art teacher and I said yeah and she said well today is my last day I'm not going to be here Um, I'm going to be teaching a uh, reading at another school so you should go up and you should tell the secretary you know like that you can fill in for me you know like you can have this job basically you can fill in for me (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, like, that's great. I was a little bit nervous because I had had the tip most, like, for, you know, I was only there for four hours, but it was terrible. (laughs) So I went up and I was, like, logging out of the building and I told the secretary, he's like, oh, she told me tomorrow is her last day. Um, And, you know, I have another job lined up, but I could certainly cancel it and we can, you know, I can fill in, like, long term, sub the art class, that's my background. And the the secretary and the principal had no idea oh, that wow. she was not going to be there the next day. <laughs> so they had no one in there for like a day and a half before they called me and were like, hey, we do need you. And I ended up getting they they I subbed there. I ended up teaching there full time um, They you know, they ended up hiring me. It was a learning experience because I've never like it was unreal some of the stories I could tell you about (laughs) teaching there but I ultimately ended up my high school uh my the school district in which I grew up and I went k-12 in um at Hoover High School and so they ended up needing an art teacher and I ended up switching over to there and coaching for a long time um I coached tennis and taught middle school art there as well uh so I was really lucky in the sense that right out of basically right out of college, I ended up getting a teaching uh, teaching job that is especially in art in, a, in Northeast Ohio. There aren't many art teachers there. Usually, you know, they're uh, we call them art on a cart in elementary. <laughs> they're just moving from room to room. They don't usually have an art room. Um, you know, there's maybe one per building or one per school district. So I. I just was in kind of the right place at the right time. I think that that teacher left the day that I was <laughs> there for a half day and was able to, you know, get a job pretty much right out the door and and then have that on my resume. So, but yeah, until I moved in 2015, I taught middle school art in a few different school districts. I, I know that, that growing up, you know, for me in, in grade school, you know, I've got, you know, the art, some of the art teachers I had were, you know, had some huge impact uh, on me and, and, you know, always tried to encourage, you know, your, the drawing and so forth. When you got that job, did you feel a, a bit of weight on your shoulders to try to be encouraging to folks when you saw that someone had a little more than just, you know, an ability and a desire or, you know, or just was doodling, but didn't really quite know what to do with it? Um, Yes and no. I mean, I think naturally I've always 
like to think of myself as a pretty supportive, even, even though I don't know what I'm going to do and I'm kind of a mess at times, I think that I'm a good support of other people, like a good cheerleader. So, um, I think naturally I, it, it felt right being in a classroom and like really, um, encouraging even the, even the students who weren't very good, but knew like that this was their time to like kind of relax and be imaginative and creative even if technically speaking their skills weren't that great like I try I tried to make it a place of um learning and like less pressure just because of all of the testing and all of the pressure they were getting from their other classes I wanted my class I wanted to push them in a good amount of like you know, challenge them, but also be like their escape, I guess, from the other parts of their day in their class classes. But, um, I did spend like the ones that were really into, into it. And I could see them, like, I knew where my skills were in eighth grade. And there were students who were far beyond what I was doing in eighth grade. And so a lot of times I, that was when I was using my my free time to like find different, um, competitions. I'd take them to, uh, in Canton, there's actually like kind of a growing art scene, um, with their like Canton first Friday, they have galleries and restaurants and musicians and everything. They all get together on first Friday. And actually last night would have been the first one that they didn't get to do. They had to, Mm. you know, shut it down. But, um, I'd take them out to those events, try to get them in gallery shows. We did like a mask uh, thing that I actually had the students work shown in a gallery that wasn't, you know, the, the display cases in the school and whatnot. So I, I tried to, I, I tried to champion for them as much as I could and try to make new, um, connections to get their out the art out there as well. And I still do keep in contact with a few of them through like Instagram. They're still working on art. I still get to see their stuff. I was one of my, one of my students was, uh, is at Mount Union or Malone. I forget which school this is, but she was working in the, uh, printmaking studio and I got to like watch her. She was live streaming her working on that. I was like, this is crazy. This is awesome. I love that. I get to see them still using it and, um, you know, pursuing that. Awesome. So when does it start, uh, for you, you know, you, you seem like, you know, teaching is a, you know, whether or not it's art art band or math, it's pretty much an all involving, all encompassing type position. Um, when does it start with you that you wanted to try to do your own stuff, you know, let alone try to, to get out there and, and sell it? So, um, when I was teaching in, it would have, I can't remember exactly the year. I think it was actually can't remember. Anyways, in Canton, they have all these galleries and one of them, uh, the hub art gallery or hub art factory is what it's called. Uh, did a lot of group shows and had extended invitations to me to participate in these shows. And one of them was called stack the deck. And, um, so each artist got a different, um, number or face card and did the four cards. And then it was a whole deck by different artists. So I got all of the aces And at the time I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with them, but I ultimately ended up doing four, 
um, Star Wars themed aces. And I had the, the ace of spades was the Death Star and the clubs was the uh, Falcon. And uh, I did a Bantha and an ATAT is the diamond and the heart. And so I was kind of like just thinking like transportation, <laughs> I guess, was my like ways to get from here to there. And um, that show really, there was such a buzz around my cards and people like I, so I sold those and people were like, oh, my goodness, you should do a whole a whole deck of Star Wars cards with your, your, cause I did them in watercolor paintings. So they wanted a whole deck of watercolor paintings. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause at that <laughs> time I'm teaching middle school art full time. I'm trying to get all of my students out and about in the community. I'm coaching tennis boys and girls season. So I'm two season like spring and fall. Um, I was crazy busy. And <laughs> this was like, a while I was painting them too, I was sharing them on Instagram and it was, um, star Wars girls. One of the like cosplay Instagram, I can't remember their exact tag, but they, um, started sharing my artwork and I gained this huge following from those four cards basically. And that's where they, I started feeling a lot of pressure from social media as well. Like get this, (laughs) get this full deck done. And so on the side, as I was teaching full time and coaching, whenever I had free time, which I didn't have much of, I did start doing a full deck of the watercolor playing cards and it took me like two and a half years. And actually that was the um, April 2015. I did the uh, show. It took me. So that means stack the deck would have been like 2013 but um by 2015 I did my full show I had them printed into like a really limited run of playing cards so you could buy them um and yeah it would have been exactly five years ago yesterday that I did the that show and it it was the first time I felt like a real demand for what I was doing and it was it was a cool experience but then um I I quickly kind of got overwhelmed because then I was only do like even commissions I was picking up was all star Wars art. And I love star Wars. I really do. And, but I love so many other things <laughs> that I got kind of, I felt like I was kind of a uh, pigeonholed <laughs> into like, Oh, star Wars art. I want to commission you to do that. And I was so grateful for it. But at a certain point I was like, I had to start turning people away <laughs> because it's like, I don't think if I paint, <laughs> princess leia one more time i can i can honestly say that carrie fisher has been uh the person i've drawn or painted the most in in my whole career (laughs) and then as you sort of are are coping with this newfound you know attention um so so of course you decide to ratchet it up and go let's do let's do some more cards um yeah well um, that didn't come till much later, I guess. Not much, much later. Three years, I think it was, when I got my first sketch card. I when we moved, for, and the, so after that show would have been in April of 2015. In August, we found out that my husband's company was moving him down to Dallas to start an office down here, and so the week before what would have been my school, like a new school year, I had to basically tell him, sorry, I'm not coming back. Uh, we're moving to Dallas. I can't commute. I can't do that commute. <laughs> uh, so we moved. And at that point, 
I was kind of like, well, what the heck do I do now? Because I can't really get a teaching job because we didn't move until October. We found out in August that we had to be there in October. So by October, the school year had already started. They didn't need an art teacher in the middle, you know, in the middle of a school year. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just substitute teach. And as soon as I can get all my paperwork in and just kind of play it by ear. Again, it was another situation where I was like, I don't have a plan. <laughs> I'm going to just wing it. Uh, so I, I substitute taught in uh, a school district and I was like, I'll just kind of work on my art. I had, you know, a lot of momentum going just from finishing that deck of cards and commissions and that sort of thing. I was like, I'll just see where this takes me. And while I was at home working on art, I was watching at the time, um, Twitch had a few artists that were live streaming things like, uh, I was like, a clay, like build, uh, and glass blowing two things that I have no idea how to do. <laughs> I like don't do 3d art at all, anything sculptural or whatnot. I don't have much of a knack for that. So while I was drawing, I was watching these sculptors or these glass blowers because I found it fascinating because I couldn't do it. And then at a certain point, I realized I was like, wait a second, why if I'm going to sit here and draw for four or five hours at a time, like, why am I not just setting up and streaming myself working? And so in like October, I started streaming my art as well. And um I, I kind of got in at the, I was in the right, again, right place, right time. I, um, they s launched Twitch creative, which it was all art and craft. And, you know, uh, they launched it with the Bob Ross marathon. They played just, uh, the, what is, I his, remember that the art of whatever. <laughs> I can't remember what his show was called. Anyways, they launched it with Bob Ross and Twitch creative became this thing. And I luckily, um, there was such a tight knit community at that point. Like we all helped each other out. So many people were getting partnered. I was able to monetize my channel. Um, people were able to sub and donate. And so I quickly realized that between commissions and Twitch and I started doing, there's a lot of different um, comic conventions and fan conventions and whatnot here in the, just the Dallas area that I could do a few shows like either. And even like I would get into like um, craft Christmas craft shows at like the local high schools, which that was where I made my killing because at comic conventions, I'm kind of one in a million. I'm like a, you know, a small fish in a big pond, but at, uh, at a high school craft show, I was the only one selling like nerd art, so to speak. <laughs> like I'd, I, I hit on all of the, you know, like the pop culture things that were good, like going on sci-fi. So everybody in there, you know, everybody knows somebody like, Oh, this is perfect for Doug, my brother. He's a big star Wars fan or whatever. <laughs> uh, I would, those were, that's where I would do the best. It's like right around the holidays for gifts for other people. But so I quickly was like, oh, I don't think that I want to go back to teaching full time because I can use my platform, my Twitch platform, my social media to still teach, but also just work on art, basically. And so that's kind of how I got, that's how I'm here now is when um, I was working on some small art, like little drawings. And at I think it was maybe Kevin... Uh, Kevin P. West or maybe even um, Ben because I think uh, 
what's it, KS Geekman? I can't think of what it is. Abusada, yes, KS Geekman. Yeah. He start, was following me from when I was working on those, the playing cards. And I did the playing cards large. They were actually, I, I painted them large and then scanned them down to playing card size. I think he started following me then. And that's when I, when I actually started working small, I think they both encouraged me. They're like, why don't you do sketch cards? Like here, like apply to tops, apply to upper deck. And they kind of um, took me in under their wing and kind of brought me into that realm. I had not, I, I'm not a trading card person. Like I, growing up, I had never, I mean, besides my brother's Pokemon cards, that was not (laughs) uh, something I was aware of or into. Um, I think that's kind of probably a family thing. You know, like if your dad maybe collected them, you probably got into collecting. The only thing my dad collects is coins. I didn't get into collecting coins, but (laughs) anyways, I'm just, I didn't even know that world existed. And so Kevin and Ben both kind of were like, Hey, you should do this. You should, you, um, so I applied and the first jobs that I got were, um, walking dead. And then they, I was on like, I think three or four walking dead sets. I did one, I did a few Marvel ones for upper deck and they never once, I never once got invited to star Wars and I was like, <laughs> ah, like now at that point I had been out of my, my normal star Wars art for like three years. Like I kind of shut down. I wouldn't, wasn't even doing commission star Wars commissions at that point. I said, I'm done. So by the time I was like into sketch cards, that's what I wanted to do was star Wars at that point. Oh man. And then, you know, I know that I talk with a lot of artists about that, you know, the workflow for doing sketch cards, you know, like now, Probably I would say if you had to do the full deck, that probably kind of gave you, you know, sort of a sneak preview of what doing sketch cards are like, because it is sort of like all of a sudden the box shows up and you're going, well, look at all that blank little pieces of paper. And then you have to kind of, you know, with a tight turnaround, um, would you say that maybe the, 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 the deck kind of got you ready for it? Uh, yes, in a way I, but it's funny cause maybe I learned from it and I, I do when I get the blank cards now, I work in a totally different way than what I did because with the playing cards, I did each one started like the ace of spades, finished the ace of spades, started the ace of diamonds, finished the ace of diamonds, you know, like, and then I did each one off. Now when I get the sketch cards, my process is I figure out what I'm going to put like for women of Star Wars, or I would do, figured out which images I was going to use as reference. So I got all, I think I did 30 cards. So I, I pulled together all 30 images. I go through and I sketch, I do the pencil sketch, all 30 pencil sketches. Then I pull them based on uh, like background color. If it's going to be like night sky, if it's going to be like just light blue background, whatever it may be, I batch them out. I do all of the background colors that match at once. Then I look at them again and I pull them out by like skin tone, what the main base skin tone would be. So if it's all green, I'll do all of those. If it's all like, um, darker, lighter complexion, I do all of those at once. And then I go in and I do like, I try to get the big areas of color in first and then I go in and start doing the details. So when, now when people ask me, Oh, how long does it take you to finish a card from beginning to end? I don't really know. Cause I don't, work on one card at a time. I know it'll take me a lot longer if I work beginning to end on one. Sometimes I did do a, like a time lapse. So like sometimes I'll do a one off just to make a, just for social media or for content. But, um, yeah, mostly now I just do everything batched in 
like by color and, you know, process. I don't do one at a time. And with the sets also came the artist proofs um, that, you know, which is kind of a nice boon for the artist, because whereas you'll get, you know, paid a, you know, there's a contract fee for doing the art for tops, but then you kind of get some on your own. How, how have you kind of approached those and how the market kind of, you know, works around those? I will be honest, I'm still kind of learning <laughs> that aspect. I've my I still have a lot of my own artist proofs. I have not sold very many. Um and I think that based on my process, maybe I'm doing myself a disservice because I just look at when I'm done with all of them, I set them all out and I pick my favorites is kind of how I how I've been deciding on my proofs at this point. Um I think I've done a pretty good job because a lot of them are popular characters, like, um, but that doesn't mean they're selling. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that's one thing that um, maybe using my voice and like my, my educator background and my desires, um, I'd really love to see the artist proofs really start to um, you know, build, build a demand for them again. I feel like me, I see a lot of artists and I don't, I don't get to talk to them very often, but I see a lot of artists in like Facebook groups on their personal page. Hey, I've got these artist proofs. And it seems like the same, you know, there's names that people want to collect. Like those ones will sell quickly. But I think that my goal and kind of what I've been trying to do within my, uh, like social media. And when I get on live streams is kind of, for collectors to understand why an artist proof is worth investing in, I guess, um, just like quality and technical skill is usually higher on those. Um, and I, and I don't know that everybody realizes that they, I think sometimes they're going to let, Oh, I can just buy on, on eBay. I can get a card for $15 plus shipping. And then you're selling yours for $150. Why would I want to, why would I do that? You know? So I think there's a lot of work to be done just from being an outsider. I guess I right. don't really know because I've only been in the business for like three years, but just as an outsider and kind of seeing the, the struggle from an artist's end, because I know that it's not just me because I see other artists in Facebook groups and on their personal page posting like, these are for sale, these are for sale, these are for sale and not getting a whole lot of feedback. So um, that was, that's kind of my uh, goal is to really express like why you should invest in an artist proof not that the ske the sketch cards the ones that you pull are great and a lot of times those are ones that I would have kept as artist proofs myself like some of those cards I see them come across eBay and I'm like oh, I want her back <laughs> like I want that one um but I can't even afford my own art at times <laughs> well um, and 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 some of that is you know like like we we're saying like there's the flat fee for doing it but there's this you know, where you get to have some of your own. And I think there is a sort of, you know, it on the one hand, when you're doing like 50 or cards that, you know, like you're doing, it's kind of like there's, you know, like when, let's just say any, you know, insert name of artist here who did, and we always look at like, oh, there's your one painting, there's your one piece where they have done commissions where there's like, oh, there's like 50 haystacks. So there's sort of this where there was a relationship back and forth. And yeah, I think... You know, even some folks who, you know, it, it's a grind to do sketch cards, but on the one hand, 
you are working to get your name out there. And at the same time, it's, it's this interesting symbiotic relationship that goes back and forth that is, it, it's a necessary thing, but it also has these payoffs. And, you know, it's, it's probably something that on, even on like, say, a business side, an artist is like, well, you know, I've only ever thought about, you know, this part of it where, you know, focusing on crafting it. Now you're, not only having to work on kind of promoting yourself, but also technically you're, you're going into Twitch. You're bringing in an audience here. You're cultivating these little communities here and you're interacting with. There's so many more aspects that an artist kind of has to fill in their universe other than they would just probably just be happy. Like, just leave me alone. Let me do my art. And I'll, you know, can someone just feed me? Um, <laughs> I think that's how it, it kind of has to be anymore. Yeah. And I had to learn so much because I have no, no business, no marketing background so I had to learn a lot about business and marketing and none of that was ever taught to me. So it's, it was really kind of sink or swim. I'm still learning. I'm still trying. And like, like I said, I'm really trying to make artists proofs and like collectors understand what is important about like the sketch cards and the, especially the artist proofs, my personal goal. And I, and I have them sitting over here. But I know that uh, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, is like way into uh, trading cards, like sports cards. I'm going to draw Gary V nonstop and tag him to it and try to get him <laughs> into sketch cards. Like that's, I was like, I'm like, what can I do to make sketch cards a hot item? Like that's what I'm like. How can I do this? I need to get him on my side. Like I think if he starts promoting them, like maybe we'll see that kind of uh, that jump in sales that we need. <laughs> um, in regards to the women of Star Wars set, now this was, you know, you got in on Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, so you'd kind of cleared that hurdle. And now Women of Star Wars comes up. Can you talk about your feelings going into that? I mean, on the one hand, you'd like to say, well, does it, you know, it's just Star Wars. Why do you have to segment it? But on the other hand, I think it's, you know, I, I've, I've been talking where without the movie, without the movies, tops couldn't go into some of these areas where they could get a themed set and they could really take some, take some liberties. And it's interesting in, in talking to tops about, you know, now you have this where the Clone Wars and some of these other properties have just recently have expanded the number of, of women in Star Wars to be able to put together a hundred card set. Now you're talking about a specific complete set. I know they had an online one. Um, what was your feelings going into and how did you kind of approach building the the submissions that you gave to them? Uh, well, so I, like I said when I, earlier, I was not always on Star Wars. Journey was my first one. And when I was working with Tops, I had continually um, submitted different, just personal cards to like be like, hey, this is Star Wars art. I can do Star Wars art. Put me on a Star Wars set. <laughs> Put me on a Star Wars set. And so um, kind of backtracking when I was doing the the playing cards my my playing card set I complained that the women like even just doing four queens at the time because this was pre um force awakens and all of that I was like there are not enough women like I I ended up um I used uh princess leia I used uh amidala padme I did ahsoka and and then I was like, 
really like I could pull some I'm on Mothma. Do I want to like? Do I want to pull a background character? Like, how do I do this? I ended up doing Mar Jade, just and which half the people were like, "Who's that queen?" <laughs> like, like you know, like if I've it's not it's not in a movie. I don't know who that is. Um. So I when I was doing that and having that experience, I was like, "Man, we need more female characters." Like, this is just terrible that there's not that many that actually have a really critical or important role in, you know, the plot of these movies that we're watching. And so um, when women, when I was asked to do women of Star Wars, I jumped on it. I was like, yeah, this is my time. I can finally, we have lots of women to choose from. And uh, I guess at the, I mean, truthfully, I, it was cool to work on, you know, the animated stuff, which I don't usually do. I do mostly photorealistic portraits because I had been on like Walking Dead, Rise of the Sky, uh, Rise, Journey to the Journey Rise, to the Rise of Sky, <laughs> Skywalker. Um, I did Stranger Things like that was all, you know, portraits, photorealistic portraits. And so to get to draw some of the animated characters was like a fun, different thing that than I was used to. So I enjoyed that a lot. And then we did those, I'm trying to think that would have been back in November. I think I did the drawings. So at that point I wasn't even concerned about current events, but then as we started getting, I knew I sent them in and getting closer and closer. I was like, man, I don't know how this is going to go, like how it's going to be received. If it's going to be received at all, just because of, you know, people are going to be concerned about shipping and packaging and like going out or like spending money. Like I didn't know, what was going to happen given current events and the release of it being like what one week ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, it was, it came at an unfortunate time, but I think maybe despite of that, it seems like people like I've been maybe because people are home stuck at home, there's been lots of live breaks. I think more so than I've seen on some of the other sets lately. Um, I think there's a lot of talk and buzz. I think that even knowing, cause we have like private, a private Facebook group for tops for the artists. So because we signed the NDA, we do have permission though, to share it with the other people who are on the NDA. So a lot of times if we're stuck on APs or like are struggling with a, like sometimes the paper quality is really bad that we have to work on. And so we're like, Hey, how's this working for you? Like, what are you finding works? We have like a little sounding board between the artists and truthfully when people were showing their work for women of star wars i was like man this is some of the best art i think that i've seen coming out of a set in a long time since i mean because i've seen even though i wasn't in the star wars sets i was watching these artists share their work and i was still in the trading card groups and watching people you know open doing their their live opening uh, breaks and so i just think that the art is top quality for this one i think people were excited about it the artists were excited about it and that's what you kind of want to hear because you know when you're doing multiple sets throughout the year you know like i can i can imagine it like okay another clone trooper um whereas when you get something that's you know a little fresh or something a little different you can go okay let's have some fun i can take some deep dives and i don't necessarily have to worry about committing like i'm sure after a while you know, even you start running out of cards going, well, you know, you, you probably get through and like, oh, darn, I'm, I need to, you know, I've only got so many cards, I can do this, this, and whereas some, like now you can, you can take some of those characters and you go, there may not be so many of character X, Y, or Z, 
and I can kind of have some fun with it because it's not a common one. Whereas, you know, sometimes if you're doing the same one over and I'm like, oh, okay, there's going to be tons of layers, tons of Ahsokas, but how many of, you know, this particular person is out there. And so I, it, it, like I said, it, it was probably just a refreshing uh, change of pace. Yeah. I got to draw some characters that I, you know, would never ever include in a regular, I guess, uh, set, even if I could probably, <laughs> but yeah. So going forward, um, what I know you likely can't talk about what's coming up for you, but I'm assuming you are in another set coming up. Um, I not anything with tops. I'm working on a Marvel premiere with upper deck. Um, but really beyond that, I haven't heard much or seen much. I don't know if that's given current events that maybe they're all kind of pulling back a little bit or, um, I'm so right now I'm kind of focusing on my own just personal art. Um, I'm supposed to, if things all work according to plan, go back to, uh, North Canton, Ohio and have a solo kind of show of all my fan art that ties in with the local libraries. They do like a, a LibCon, like their little convention, <laughs> comic convention. And I would kind of do a, like a teaching thing and also have this show. So I kind of wanted to work on some new art for that, just different pop culture, different fandom stuff. So right now I'm kind of appreciative of the extra time because I can do some stuff that I wouldn't normally get to do because I'm, you know, trying to get a hundred cards done for different entities. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I, right now it's just kind of doing my own thing and just that one Marvel thing that it, uh, it had a longer timeline. So I'm appreciative of that as well. I didn't have to turn around and get them done within a month. Like some of the other ones in a month that includes shipping. So like you have to get it. It's really about two weeks when it's all said oh. and done. Oh man. Um, so it had been nice when Tatooine times reached out. Oh yeah, it was great. I, um, it's, I did a, uh, commission for Ross of, um, Michael Scott. I, so I did a drawing from the office for his wife. And so we kind of, I, and I, I think that was kind of our first interaction and kind of following them. And when they approached me, they said they wanted to do a women of the galaxy series and asked me to collaborate and kind of be a, a, a sounding board for them or like a, I was like, man, that's, a, that. I appreciate the offer. <laughs> like I, it's, I'm so new to licensed Star Wars art and, uh, that it, I still feel like, um, you know, I don't know that I, it's what's that like imposter syndrome, maybe a little bit like I, maybe I shouldn't be here. I, I feel too new to be a good voice for this, but really when it's all said and done, I've been here a lot longer than I, <laughs> I feel, I feel like time has flown and it's, it's been a lot longer than, um, oh, hey, there's a cat. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. That's... Anyways, time has gotten a lot, uh, gone a lot quicker and I, I've had a lot more experience than I think I give myself credit for. <laughs> Excellent. I, I know I am taking away cat time as we've been, uh, I've been, I've been kind of watching these cats kind of skulk around in the background to sort of like, what's going on? Why are you not paying attention to me? Um, but lastly, you know, how much time have you been able to, I mean, with extra time, are you doing extra Twitch broadcasts or? I actually haven't been on Twitch in almost a year. It was something that we, it was sort of intentional, but then also not intentional time. Again, time has just gone a lot quicker than I thought it would. Um, 
I ended up when we ended up buying a new house last summer and moving into a new city. And so I don't substitute teach anymore. I ended up taking a new job in, um, I'm I'm doing marketing or like, uh, communications for a real real estate agency or a realtor association. So, um, this change in jobs is, kept me busier than I would have liked. And by the time I sit in front of a computer all day, so by the time I get home, I don't really want to set up my computer and get on the computer though. I've been talking to some, I still have a community of the people who would watch my streams. We have a discord, uh, like a type, a chat forum Mm -hmm. basically. And, um, so I still communicate with them. I'm still there as a resource because a lot of the, my streams were educational and I would, you know, talk through the process and what I was doing. So I still get people who will message me and ask for help and I still help them through like Discord or Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, I want to get back into it. It's just time. <laughs> it's just a time thing. Yep. And then the problem is, is I when I take on these sets, it, I can't stream that work. Right. Um, because of the NDA. So even if I'm working on art, I can't share it until it's all done. So it just is a, it's just like a conflict of time really. But, um, and in which case when you do, or when you put yourself out there, where are some of the places that folks can follow what you're doing when time permits? When time permits, well, on Twitch, when I when I get back on there, it is Winter 13. It's all spelled out, T-H-I-R-T-E-E-N. I can spell <laughs> like, the, it's not the number. It's actually the word. Um, I And then on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's Ashley R. Villers, um, V-I-L-L-E-R-S. Um, but yeah, I the, really, Instagram is probably where I'm at the most, even if I don't make too many actual posts, I try to get on stories pretty regularly. I check my DMS and then, or my discord, which I think is both linked in all of my, like uh, from Instagram or from uh, Twitch, you can find my discord and happily join us there. We, my members, they share their own art. I share my art. We do like right now we're doing a song challenge where they're posting each a, a theme for each day. Like what's your favorite song that reminds you of summer? What's your favorite song that has a number in the title? So we do like silly things and it's just kind of a smaller close knit community that I, that have been there since basically day one <laughs> when I would, when I would stream and uh, I had really terrible stream set up and I didn't have a good microphone and I was using the cam- the Logitech camera microphone and stuff. But yeah, so Excellent. you can find me just about anywhere and absolutely reach out to me. I love I love being a help or like a, a mentor in that kind of situation. I, I answer a lot of questions about technical stuff or business stuff that I've learned along the way. Yes, and I, I just to, to close things out, um, my daughter, uh, we watched the we watched the time lapse you guys did for Tatooine Times, and it was. Uh, it was really kind of cool to kind of sit there and, and, and my daughter likes to draw and, and it's really good. And it's kind of fun to kind of go through and you can see the time lapses for me are some of the best things out there for artists because people can kind of see, you know, like you know, point A to point B. And uh, it was really it was really fun to get to. And then, you know, sometimes you can kind of go, hey, look what she's doing there. Look what she's doing there. Um, so that was really helpful. Uh, and I really appreciate it. 
Um, I also know that my uh, friends over at the Marvel Card Collectors podcast will be very interested probably to talk <laughs> to you once uh, once the, like I, I, I hear the words Marvel premiere and I can I can hear Ian and Ian uh, somewhere in the UK screaming for Glee and him and Norrin. <laughs> uh, so I'll definitely be passing that along and, and uh, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out. Uh, for when those cards appear, but um, Ashley, it's been uh, very lovely to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, what what the people can't see is you got this great Ohio uh, sweatshirt on, and uh, anytime I see stuff from my home state, which you know neither of us are living in anymore, uh, it always reminds me of home. So I uh, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me some of your time, and uh, thank the cats once again. Uh, for, <laughs> yeah, for... <laughs> he's still here. <laughs> thank anyway. you. Alrighty. Once again, my thanks to Ashley Village for being on the program tonight. And once again, it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to her. Uh, you should really check some of her artwork out. Really amazing stuff. If you have any feedback for tonight's episode, good, bad, or otherwise, you can reach out to the program in a number of ways. You can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode. You can also DM me at Rebel Base Card in Instagram. On Twitter, you can find me also at Rebel Base Card as well as Facebook. Or you can email the program, greg at rebelbasecard.com. You can find the show notes for this and all episodes on the website, rebelbasecard.com. And in the Tops Trading Card app, you can find me at cornfedtech. If you are a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer or creator, and want to talk about your work, your craft, your passion, drop me a line. Maybe we can work something out. And please do me a favor and leave a comment and review on iTunes. That does help get the word out about the show. Otherwise, keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire, folks, and I'll talk to you soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.